So a few years ago, I had started serving at Park City's Baptist Church as teaching pastor. That's the only other church I've served in. And I'd never served in a church before. I was most of the time in our, in fact, I'm seeing some faces here that I love. Yes, that we got to know each other at Park City's. In the Great Hall, uh, which was our venue where I got to know Justin and Holly as worship leaders. In a few months into me being at the church, uh, there was a big Christmas celebration in the sanctuary where our traditional services were and where I had not really been much. Being teaching pastor, they said, hey Sam, we would like for you in this big Christmas celebration, our neighbors are gonna be here, we'd like for you to lead the prayer moment in the service. And so I did like I usually start doing, I started to think I'm gonna mess this up. And I started thinking about me and I. I, I want to impress every person in the room and I, I wanna make sure that my first uh, uh, you know, impression for, for many that are gonna be there is positive. And so I, I, I wanted to think about I and me and my and me. And, and, and yeah, and so yeah, I got nervous. Let's... So today comes first service. There were multiple presentations of this. The first service moment happens I'm actually sitting up front right uh, I'm sitting here in the pew and our traditional worship leader is leading 200 voice choir and, and a big Christmas anthem and I'm like okay this is my moment I me my I me uh, here we go so I get up move up front and I turn to face the room as the worship leader ends the song and turns to start the room on the next song. <laughs> now, they were wearing all black, he was wearing all black, and I had on my white button down. And I'm standing up front. Now, uh, in the sanctuary, there, there were chairs typically up front where you could go sit if you were a part of the, uh, but I couldn't at this point because there was woodwinds and uh, orchestra, choir. like, I mean, it was just, the stage was packed out. So there's nowhere to go this way. So I'm like, I've got to now walk straight back towards the audience and sit back down. So I started to come down. And as I started to come down, the children's choir <laughs> files in, in front of me. And I'm like, oh no, what do I do? I'm, I'm literally trapped. I'm trapped up front. And the, 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 they, lead, they sing, a, a, it's actually only one chorus that they, the, the room sang, and then the children's choir starts singing, and I'm like, oh no. So I, I literally, I dug down <laughs> behind the children's choir, right? What do you do? I, I'm trapped, I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, oh no, okay. So the children's choir ends their song, thank goodness, and he starts leading another choir song and they start leaving. And so what would I do? I just got in line behind the last kid and walked off the stage. This really happened, okay. And then went to sit back down in my seat over here and wait for the right time for me to go forward for my prayer. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe not that exactly, 
Have you ever felt humiliated in front of a bunch of people? Has that ever happened? I'm, I, some of you are smiling. If that, surely, not the girl's name, Shirley, surely. You know, pride shows up in a lot of different ways. And I think most people, when we think of pride, in fact, our culture has kind of hijacked pride. Uh, pride is now actually celebrated as something in our, like if we're, we're in a very tribal culture right now and we are villainizing people who are in different groups than us and we are in a social media, if you are in my group and if I can speak pridefully of my group, that is like celebrated and considered like a good thing for people that are in that group, right? And that's, that's scary to me. But there's another side of pride. Uh, you know, self-deprecation is also pride. Uh, focusing on yourself, uh, being overly my, me, focused, prayer, I'm gonna mess this, what, uh, uh, that, that's actually prideful too, you know? There, there's, there's a lot of different, our world right now, you know, it goes back to the original sin in the garden, right? Adam and Eve thinking they could do it better than God, I, me. Pride is a problem. Pride is a problem. Is there, is there any help for our pride problem? Is, is there any way that you and I can get, get over this self-focus and move to a focus on other things? We, we've said as we're going through the book of Daniel, if you have a Bible, we invite you to turn there. If you're new to the Bible, we're so glad you're with us here in the room today. I hope you'll see that the Bible is applicable to our lives and helpful for us. There should be a, one in the pew there. You find the book of Daniel. As we're walking through Daniel, we've, we've seen a culture, Babylon, that is just going downhill fast. And we've asked, okay, what does it look like for us to live as lights to shine in Babylon? What does that look like is one of the things we've asked. And we've said that in order to, to make a difference in our culture, we have to be different. And here's the problem. In a world full of prideful people, I'm prideful, and so are you. <laughs> Is there a way for us to, to, to be different? We talked about the importance of being graceful and truthful in our culture, and truth, we need courage. We need great courage like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego to bring truth to our culture. But in order to bring grace to our culture, you know we need humility. Like grace can't be received unless we, we truly are humble. But I'm prideful. Is there help for you and I? Last week, if you were with us, we got to see the story of Nebuchadnezzar's pride in chapter four. And it's like God wanted to make sure people really got this. In chapter five, he tells a story about another king that had a big pride problem. If you missed last week, go back, listen. Ben did a phenomenal job walking through the story of Nebuchadnezzar. But today we're gonna to actually see Daniel summarize it. So I'm not gonna summarize that story, but I'm gonna catch you up on what's happening in the life of this next king, Belshazzar. In Belshazzar, we, we read about Mother's Day. So two weeks ago, we skipped ahead because Belshazzar's mom stores, sh shows up in the story. And for some reason this hour, I couldn't say Belshazzar all last time either. And now I'm struggling already, but here we go. 23 years after chapter four, Belshazzar shows up on the scene co-ruling with his dad. We've now learned from history. And he throws a, basically a political party with all of his 
leaders in the kingdom and his wives and concubines and they get drunk and they start worshiping their gods, the gods of Babylon in this party. But in order to like, I mean, this is incredibly prideful, to spite the gods of the Jews, which is one God, Yahweh, he says, go get the cups that we took out of the temple in Jerusalem, bring them to my party, and as we party together and worship our gods, I'm gonna drink out of those cups to just show off how much better we are. So he does, and that gets God's attention, so you think? And God writes on the wall with a hand, and it gets Belshazzar's attention big time. In fact, we read in the story, his knees were shaken, his color changed like he was terrified. He tells his religious leaders slash his astrologers and his wise men, hey, if you can read those words to me and tell me what they mean, I'll make you third in the kingdom. We didn't know what that was until history told us his dad was co-reigning with him. They couldn't do it. Mom then showed up and mom does what mom does if she knows God. She doesn't fix the problem. She can't read the writing on the wall. We talked on Mother's Day. Moms, there are a lot of problems you cannot fix. Parents, there are a lot of things in the lives of your kids. There's writing on the wall you won't be able to read. But she points her son to the one who can help. And it's not just to Daniel, it's through Daniel. Her emphasis is on the spirit of God that is in Daniel. It's what she was pointing her son to. So that's what's happened so far. Now Daniel's gonna show up and we're gonna hear this prideful king talk to Daniel. And I want us today to learn today and to ask God to help us today to deal with our own pride problems. Y'all with me? In order to honor God's word, I want to invite you to stand for the first few verses of the reading here. Here's the king talking to Daniel. But Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah I have heard, yeah, mom told me, of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that the light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now, the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they cannot show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation. You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Holy Spirit, uh, same Holy Spirit that's gonna give Daniel the words to interpret right now what you wrote on the wall. Would you do that in the room again for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you could catch some of the pride even in the conversation here. He calls Daniel one of the exiles of Judah. Did y'all notice that? I mean, he's, he's speaking down to Daniel. One of the, the ways that pride reveals itself in our lives is when we think not that we necessarily even know better, but that we are better than some other form of people or group 
prejudice. It can come out in a lot of different ways. This pride is showing up as he talks to Daniel. If you're able to interpret, I've heard there's something good in your mom said, so can you do anything here? Verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts and be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Notice Daniel's not trying to move up. And Daniel has a humility about him that is really radical throughout the book. His, his search is not for himself. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. We read in other chapters, Daniel's very clear that he knows this is not something that he's able to do on his own. This comes from God. Verse 18. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. We've said this before in our study of Daniel, the word father is the same word for grandfather. Nebuchadnezzar was his grandfather. And Daniel tells Belshazzar that his, great, his grandfather was great, had glory and majesty. But where did it come from? Did y'all see? Who gave it to him? It's not a trick question. Some of you are saying in your voice, who, who gave Nebuchadnezzar all that good stuff? God, right. We've said theme for the book of Daniel is God is in control. If you want to go farther with that line, you can say, and we've said God is in control of who is in control. David knew that. Daniel knows that. And he tells this king, God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, again emphasized in verse 19, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whoever he would, he killed, and whoever he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up, another way to say pride, and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of the beasts and his dwelling was made that of the wild donkeys. And he was fed, uh, yeah, he was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. Again, God is in control of who is in control. And you, his son, Belshazzar, Belsh or however you say his name, <laughs> have not humbled your heart. You have a pride problem. Though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. And the vessels of his house have been brought in before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath. I think it's a play on words here. He says, God has you in his hands. God's gonna take the hand that he has you in and that's the hand that wrote on the wall behind you and whose all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. 
And this is the writing that was inscribed. All right, so he's reading what was written on the wall. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Pearson. Uh, these words, if you want to study them, are in the Aramaic weights that are decreasing in amount. The weights were used at that point in time for trade. Weights were also used for time. Weights were used for a lot of different things. And so it will make more sense as we see now the interpretation that will come from Daniel. This is the interpretation, verse 26, of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Commentary writers note that this is the word that's repeated and when it was repeated, it was emphasizing that this is gonna come to an end really fast. And that was an understatement, it would happen that night. Tickel, you have been weighed in balances and found wanting. You don't measure up, king. Verse 28, Paris, this, this is the now singular of the Parisin, which was up above. Interesting, again, play in words here in the Aramaic. The singular there, Paris, sounds just like the word for Persia. So the word there that means divided, it's gonna be your kingdom is going to be divided and it will be given to the Medes and the Persians. Bad news for the king. Y'all catch kind of what Daniel just told him? Daniel just told him the story of his grandpa and said in his pride he was humbled, but then he humbled himself. God gave him all that he had, but you have not humbled yourself, king. So guess what? You're about to get defeated by the Medes and the Persians. Verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel didn't want that, he's already said that and he also knows it's about to end. So it's like lasted maybe 30 minutes. <laughs> that very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Hey, just on those last two verses, I wanna make a little note here that's gonna matter more when we get to the prophecy part of the book of Daniel. I want you to know that you can go later and read it in your Bible if you want. 150 years before this night happened, God wrote through Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51 that Babylon was gonna be defeated by a kingdom that would come from the north. Now Babylon thought we will never be destroyed because we've got these double walls. They had two literally walls that were super thick and super high. No one could over overtake us. Well, Jeremiah tells us actually how it's gonna happen. You can read it again later. Chapter 50 and 51 tells us, he says, your springs are gonna be dried up. Your translation might even say your river will be dried up. We know from history, the Persians that night dammed up the river above it so that the water went down and they went under the city walls. And then Jeremiah tells them that what was gonna happen is he was gonna get the king and his leaders, his, his people all drunk, which is the party we just read about. And then the walls were gonna be destroyed and the gates burned. Jeremiah said it was gonna happen. And when God prophesies that something is gonna happen, guess what happens? That happens, okay? 100% of the time. And we're gonna see later in the book of Daniel, him talk about what's coming in our future, which is crazy. <laughs> okay, but 
Back up with me again, the point I think of chapter four and chapter five is that people have got pride problems and pride problems are bad problems to have. Daniel tells him the story of his grandfather. Y'all have read maybe the words George Santania so wrote, write, writes these words. Can't, how do you say that last name, Rebecca? Well, how would you say that? I'm struggling today. Okay, she's, she's like, whoa, don't ask me that. Those who do not remember the past are condemned to relive it. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Uh, Daniel was telling him the story of his grandpa and he was reliving the story of being humiliated. But his grandpa gets to the point where he humbles himself and it turns around. We don't get to see it in this guy's life. Dr. Harry Rimmer wrote a book on prophecy and he titled his book on prophecy in the Bible. This, I think, beautiful. Straight ahead lies yesterday. So much of even what needs to be prophesied could be figured out just by us reading history, right? The pride problem that this king had, his grandpa had, and you and I have. Maybe you've heard these words before in the Bible. It's clear we see it over and over again that plan A for God is humility. Plan B is humiliation. Uh, most sermons, in fact, I think at times I can lean towards in my oneness on the Enneagram, if you know that, can lean towards the, okay, fix your pride problem. Uh, most sermons lean towards, okay, plan A for God is humility, plan B is humiliation. You pick one and work hard at it. But here's the question, how's that working on your pride right now? You know, the pride is like focusing on yourself, right? So why don't you fix your focus on yourself by focusing on yourself more? What? Is there hope for us that we can find in this passage? I believe there is, and here's what I wanna do because I think he stuck chapter five where he stuck chapter five because there's a positive example at the end of chapter four and a positive example at the beginning of chapter six that I want us to learn from today, okay? So look at the end of chapter four, the way he transitions between these kings. He says these words, those who walk in pride, he, that he is referring back to God, he is what? Okay, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Good news, prideful people like me. God can help you with your pride problem. Well, what can we learn from these stories? Maybe from those who they saw God help them with their pride problem. The first that I want us to learn today is through the example of Nebuchadnezzar. We can have God help work in our lives, him and his ability help us with our pride problem through beholding him through praise. So if, I want you to see what Nebuchadnezzar does when his life turns around. We got to see some of it last week. I'm gonna just show it to you in contrast to what was going on in the life of Belshazzar. Verse 34, after he was literally psycho crazy, God had humiliated him, he was walking around like an animal. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, did what? 
lifted my eyes to heaven. I, Nebuchadnezzar, did something that was different for Nebuchadnezzar. Instead of looking at himself, Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to what? To heaven. Nebuchadnezzar turned his attention up. Uh, the, the, one of the men who used to pastor this church years ago, Jeff Warren, uh, the man I actually served in in that church where I was doing this deal when I was the teaching pastor, yeah? I've heard Jeff Warren say these words often. He says, sometimes you need to stop trying to be like Jesus and just behold Jesus. How do you fix your pride problem? It's not necessarily focusing on yourself, it's focusing on God. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven my reason returned to me, and then watch what starts happening immediately when his eyes are up. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. I want to show you the rest of verse 37, the transition verse between the chapters, verse 37 of chapter 4. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the King of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. If God is able to humble, how was Nebuchadnezzar seeing it? Nebuchadnezzar was seeing it by seeing him. He was beholding him through praise. You may have heard it said this way, humility is not thinking less of yourself, right? Humility is thinking of yourself, what? Less, y'all maybe heard it said that way. I've heard it said this morning, Justin said, uh, humility is the art of self-forgetfulness. Well, what does it look like for Christians to get our eyes off of ourself? It's to get our eyes on him, right? It's for us to... Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption's written on his head. Yeah, y'all sing it with me. Jesus, you will reign forever. Y'all see what happens if, if, if you and I can get our eyes off ourselves and onto him, it's gonna drive worship and humility. It humbles us as we exalt who he is. Praise God that day where I got caught this way and then ended up coming up and praying. It was not the end of the service, thankfully, right? I got to go back down here and sit right here and for the first like three or four minutes literally think, wow, my life is over. Like this was terrible. They have those, those but, but what happened was the people that were up front started directing my attention to Jesus and remind me that my performance is not about me. It's about him, right? The story of redemption is on his hands. And when I get my eyes up, even in those moments where I feel broken because of pride, he can start humiliating me in a positive way as I worship him. Where is that for you? I don't know, maybe if, if for you, you've got an issue at the gym where you just like looking at the mirror, maybe you need to have worship songs in your ear while you're working out. I don't know what that is, but maybe on your way to work, if you've got a pride problem at work, maybe you need to start cranking some Behold the Lamb as you go into work so that you can, as we see in the example of Nebuchadnezzar, 
he lifted his eyes up and he praised. God is able to humble, first thing, behold him through praise. Second example isn't in the life of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's what I see in Daniel. It's before these stories, but it's also right after these stories. What we'll read in chapter six, and I I don't want to steal the next upcoming sermons, and I'm not going to, but basically this new king the king that's showing up from uh, Persia and the Medes, he's not going to be any better. It's Darius. And then it's actually, we think it could also be the same name as Cyrus. You can read verse 28 uh, two different ways that uh, Darius could be the same person, Cyrus. But he's got an issue with pride. And he decides he wants everyone to just pray to him. <laughs> and Daniel doesn't do it. You'll remember this decree that's going to go out. What does Daniel do? Verse 10, here's what Daniel does. Daniel went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And this is what got my attention as I was thinking about pride. He got down, not he moved up. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. How, how did Daniel, as a man that had been, really, we see over and over in the book, different kings bringing him up to like second or third in the kingdom in charge, like how did he continue to have a, high, a posture of humility throughout the book? Prayer. God is able to humble, second point, through beholding him, when you and I behold the lamb in prayer. One of Jesus's closest friends, Peter, says it this way, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Notice it's a giving. Verse six is gonna sound like it's at the beginning, something you do, but keep reading. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Again, God's working on our hearts and lives, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. Well, how does that happen? Notice there's not a period at the end of verse six. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How do you move? How do I move? How can we move from the independent posture of pride? It's the dependent posture of prayer. Prayer by definition is you and I realizing that we need help from another and in conversation with the greatest other the world has ever seen. Roy Stockstill, who used to pastor a church in Louisiana, would often say these words, if you start your day on your face before the Lord, there is nowhere to go but up. The man on his face can never fall from that position. Chris Hodges, another pastor that's current pastor today, will say it this way, standing strong in a pride inflated culture begins face down in prayer. Behold him in prayer. God is able to humble. Back to that day where I was uh, humiliated up front. Okay, went back down and I sat down and I had the opportunity for them to lead me in worship and get my mind off myself, which was so helpful. 
But I was reminded that day before I got up to pray that I, and this is for me, it's this constant. I'm usually sitting over here by my awesome bride and daughter. <laughs> they, I'm sure they love this attention, yeah. Um, I'm usually over here, and, and I, I don't know of a week that I've actually uh, preach the sermon without praying. I don't think it's ever happened, but there are weeks sometimes where the moments before I'm not in prayer. And when I, when I get up, if I haven't been praying, when I get up, you know what's happening when I get up? There's this insecurity and that insecurity is self-focus that is not healthy. But if I can posture myself in prayer and, and be praying the moments before I come up, someone asked me once if I speak in tongues in the last song, I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm just praying because if I can get up in a prayerful posture and guess what? The pressure's not on me. My focus isn't on me. In my own heart and in my own life, right? It's on him. And I don't know where this could be applied for you, but maybe if you've got something in your life where either you're, you think you are better than everyone else, pridefully, or the other way around, you actually think you're doing worse than everyone else, pridefully, because you're focused on yourself. What would it look like for you to turn your attention, behold him through prayer? To say, God, I'm gonna bring prayer and I'm gonna exercise prayer. I'm gonna be praying right now. And I'm gonna take the attention off of me and I'm gonna put it on you. And if you do, I believe, God is able to humble just like he did in the life of Daniel. Notice Daniel was doing it multiple times a day. So if you're not doing three quiet times next week, you're in trouble. No, I'm kidding. No, that, that's not the... <laughs> Do you see the blessing he was experiencing in his life? God is able to humble. Behold him through praise. Behold him in prayer. Y'all know tomorrow... It's a big day, right? Justin's mentioned it already today, but tomorrow is what? Memorial Day. And I've seen something happen in my life in the last five years that I didn't intentionally do. Um, Memorial Day is specifically celebrating the, the lives of those who died, like two million that have given their lives for our freedom. But if I'm having a conversation that anyone who's served in the military or had a spouse that served or parents who served, I've found myself in the last few years, uh, non-prompted, again, not on purpose, saying the words, thank you. Like I just, that's what comes out. Thank you, thank you. And that, I think that's one of the reasons our, our culture, it's moving fast away, unfortunately, I think, from patriotism. But it's not moving away from recognizing there are people who've given their life for our freedom. That, that's, when you're having, so Memorial Day is another level from just having a conversation with someone who served. Memorial Day is recognizing there are people who died. And some of you know families that, I mean, some of you know people who lost a parent or a spouse or a child. And when you're, when you're talking with them, do you feel prideful? No, it's like the opposite of that, isn't it? It's like, I'm indebted. I get to experience freedoms and privileges in this country. And you, y'all know that if we can behold the lamb, right? As Christians, we have the opportunity 
to experience like Memorial Day on and then some, every moment of our lives, a, a, a true thank you, God, for what you have done. To recognize that there, there is a real king in a real kingdom, right? His name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And in his love and by his grace, he, he came and he lived a perfect life in our place and he died for our sin, memorial. He died for our sin, rose again. He's coming back. We get to repent, respond to that, believe and follow him in response. Not because we're earning anything. Last night in, in our, our family devotional time, we were talking about the difference between trying and trusting. Christian faith is not trying as much as it is trusting. And as we trust, his spirit empowers our try, right? As we repent, believe and follow him. And we get to be part of his kingdom now and forever. As you heard Jason read over you earlier, this exile from Judah, whose name not was Daniel, was Jesus in the royal line, recognized that the spirit like Daniel did of the Lord was upon him and had anointed him to proclaim just like Daniel did. But this man, Philippians 2 tells us, was in human form, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. <sighs> Behold the lamb. He is able to humble. I don't think prideful people, we can't expect our world out there to move away from tribalism and celebrating being prideful of our groups. We can't, but, but Christians can make a difference. Why? Because through the spirit of God, as we focus on Christ, we get to be different, right? As we behold him through praise and in prayer. Let me pray with you for a second. What does that look like for you? I don't know where you are wrestling with pride. Maybe you, you need to ask your parents or your spouse later this afternoon where your pride's showing up if you're having trouble seeing it. But if you can see it right now, I, wanna, I want you to invite God to say, hey God, help me understand how I can this week exercise beholding you through praise You, if you want, you could get on Spotify and you could search First McKinney and that has our worship playlist. You could, you could pull up. What about beholding him in prayer? How, how can you bring prayer into the areas of your life where you are self-focused so that you can get your eyes off yourself and onto him? God, help us and thank you, God, that you have through your son. Help us to behold you, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna say thank you for those of you that are investing right now through our Multiply Project. Last week, we sent an email out kind of updating you on the three different areas as we are investing in our youth ministry here at our church to help us as we have a building that's falling down. Literally, we're getting investing in that right now, which is cool. We're getting to invest in discipleship relationships in and through our church. And we're also investing in church planting. And just a few weeks ago, we got to host in our church 
church planting conference for churches in our city. And some people think that's crazy. Why would you do that? Watch, if you're part of Multiply, you're part of this. First family, I wanna give you an update on Multiply. One of the three key parts of our Multiply effort is to multiply churches. And we've been in dialogue with established churches in our city and in our area to plant churches in Collin County. And we've been working with existing planters along with Cadence Church over the last few years. And over the last few days, we've hosted at First McKinney a church planting conference. And we want you to get to see what God is doing. Hi, my name is Mike Humphrey, and we planted Revive Church here in downtown McKinney. Hey, my name is Robert Welch, and I'm the lead pastor of Legacy Hills Church in Salina, Texas. Hey, my name is Hannah Morrison, and this is Paul, and we pastor Cadence Church in North Frisco and Prosper. Hi, I'm Doug Fox. This is my wife, Jana. And we are planting McKinney Global Methodist Church. Hi, I'm Seth Williamson, and my wife Shannon and I are planting Church of the Ascension here in McKinney, Texas. Hi, my name's Rian, and this is Carrie. And uh, as you can tell from the accents, we're not from around here. Born in New Zealand, lived in Australia before coming to Frisco, Texas, two and a half years ago. Yes. Uh, to start what we call Game Changer Church. Hi, we are Ryan and Chad Bailey, and we planted the Mill Community Church in Salina, Texas. Our heart is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. We have learned so much about strategically thinking through these early steps, these early days. Yeah, when we decided to uh, step out and start a church, we had no idea how to do it, who to do it with, and uh, your church has come alongside us. Who's hurting, who's broken, who's lost, and how do we effectively reach those people with the gospel? The heart for our church is to reach those who do not yet know Jesus. And like your church, we have a heart to reach Collin County with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This workshop seminar has been invaluable. From the moment I've walked in, I've just felt uplifted and energized to be around so many people who are focused on the Great Commission. And uh, what an incredible few days we've had. We're all in this together to reach those who do not know Jesus Christ. This conference, even the last day and a half, has really helped us to kind of crystallize our vision as a church, help us to get an aerial view of what ministry looks like now. Well, to collaborate as pastors and as wives and leaders. To be able to walk through that pathway, to be able to understand how we can set up our whole church to reach out to new people and to make a difference with the kingdom of God. That's just invaluable. God's doing something really, really big here. All the tools and principles we've learned here have really helped me focus and uh, figure out exactly what our next steps are. We just want to say thank you so much because we're going to be able to take the stuff, we're going to yeah. be able to apply it and uh, see how church go to the next level and it's because of your generosity yes incredibly thankful for that thank you so much and i can't tell you how thankful we are thank you so much for supporting the work of church planning to spread the gospel thank you for making this awesome opportunity available i mean i just want to say thank you this has done more than enough for us to help us get out of the the baby church phase to figuring out what matters most to offer the best, healthiest ministry uh, to those that don't know Jesus and those that are growing in their faith in Jesus. As a few of the established churches in this network, it is so neat to watch as churches are working together in this area for the kingdom of Jesus. That's yeah, amazing, really. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, churches that uh, could be trying to plant their own campuses and grow their own, not that none of the other churches don't want to grow, but actually helping other independent churches from all different denominations uh, working together to plant those churches. So excited to be a part of this. Uh, this is a great group of people. We have a huge future, guys. It is, absolutely. 
thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.